1: Hey, hey! Welcome back! We're Have black and brown. <laughs> last time I checked. Oh, you know what I found out? <laughs> my my brother texted me. So this I hi, I'm Mandy. This is Brown Ambition. You're here. Yeah. You made oh, it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's Tiffany. Um, so my little brother had got my dad a DNA test for Christmas. Ooh. Like you know, it's Ancestry.com DNA test, and actually my husband got me one. <laughs> from um the other dna test it's called um uh the google 123 and me okay um anyway i was like okay great i'll see if these are accurate i'll see what my dad says and then compare it to mine i don't have mine yet but my my brother texted me and and he's meanwhile we all know my father's black right yeah and he's like so dad is african i'm like yeah not surprising <laughs> And he's like, he's West African. Yeah, so is like anybody who descended from <laughs> slaves, right? <Yes. laughs> um, so it was pretty funny. He actually has, he's like 19% what Nigerian. Yay! Yes.
0: Hey. Okay, Mandy!
1: <laughs> what does that make me, like 25? I don't know. 15? No, 10% Nigerian? I don't know how that works out. Right,
2: something like that.
1: <laughs> and then he's 20% Senegalese. Okay. Um, and the rest of them, um, Benin- uh, oh, Benin? Benin. oh, thanks, okay. Benin. 14% Cameroon, 10% Ivory Coast, Ghana, oh. and then 10%. It says Africa Southeastern Bantu. What is that? I think it's like maybe a region. Oh, I I, might, I don't know. That might cover part of South Africa. Anyhow, what what I found hilarious, well not hilarious, kind of sad was um so obviously my my dad's people def- descended from slaves um and when they got to america because it shows like how far his lineages has his lineage has moved we haven't gotten further than like louisiana it's like georgia the carolinas it, it's very much like in the southeastern part mm. of the u.s so that's my that's my people
2: wow that's awesome i can't wait to hear your results i'm actually really curious i kind of want to do mine um, just to see like, is it true? You know, because I mean, <laughs> according, <It's so> true. <laughs> according to my people, like, you know, like we're Nigerian and, but I do know, like, for example, Lovey did, uh, I think she did 23 and Me, and she found out actually that she was, um, more, Oh, what's the neighboring country. I don't know if it was Cameroonian, but she was more of the, more of the neighboring country. I can't remember what country she said then she was actually Nigerian and she was trying to figure out, Oh, why? But because here's the thing, like, um, uh, lovey is, um, Yoruba. And we have to remember that during the council of whatever, like, or the, um, at some point, European countries sliced and diced up Africa Mm. and, um, they created these countries. But if you look at lovey and, you know, like what she is, which is African and Yoruba, what you will find is that um, there is Yoruba, the real country or land of Yoruba overlaps those two countries. So it's not that it's like, oh, you know, you're not Nigerian. No, she's truly Yoruba. Like it, it like, um. so if these two countries are neighboring, Yoruba land is on both sides of the country and just mm-hmm. a line was drawn and all of a sudden you're Nigerian. But it's like, no, I'm just so. And what they found, too, is that she's very, very Yoruba. Meaning like they, they were really excited to get her DNA into the system because her DNA is now a marker to to set for other people to see how, how Yoruba or how Nigerian or how Cameroonian or whatever they are. Hmm. Because it's like your mom is Yoruba, your dad is Yoruba, your grandparents and your grandparents and your grandparents and your grand You know what I mean? Like you don't get too many Uber people. Who, Yoruba. Yeah. So I'm really curious to see with my people, like I know that like on at least on my dad's side, I know like. My dad can go back about four generations, like when Aliche, which is my last name, well, not so much anymore, but Aliche mm-hmm. was like, the like was was just one name. Like when my great, 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 great grandfather, his name was Aliche. And then when our village was founded by four brothers, and so it's just like, uh, he could go back that far because we have like, Africans tell an oral history. And so every kid in the village can go back that far. But so it'd be interesting to see if there's like, any deviation or are we just super ebo? you know?
0: Yeah.
1: yeah so I mean, it's also every country I listed that my dad is from, they're all basically neighboring countries on the West Coast. Yeah. You know, yep. the, the, one of the origins of the slave trade. Um, And, you know, have you ever read the book Homegoing? I had talked about it before on the show. It's by Yag Yassi. I learned more about the slave trade and the history of West Africa from that book than I ever learned in school. And it is a, it is a fantastic book. It it tells, mm. it starts at the beginning. It starts, I think in Ghana, the author is Ghanaian and it starts with the tribe in Ghana, the very first tribe who sold their people to the Europeans um, as slaves. And it tells one story, one person's story from every descendant of that family through the mm. book all the way up until I think the 1980s. Wow, it's just like phenomenal. That I highly recommend it. It's awesome. I have my little brother it, read it too. What, what, what is it called again? It's called Homegoing by Yaa okay. ya Gyasi. Let me look it up. Her mm.
2: last That sounds interesting.
1: Yeah, Yaa Gyasi. It's Y A A G Y A S I. I'll I'll post okay. a link in the in the show notes too, because that it book was... had me by the had me by. It was like squeezing my heart the entire time reading that book. So uh good. that's
2: like, um, uh, the book by, um, uh, Ch- Chimamanda, uh, Ngochi. oh, I
1: was, yeah, oh, and she Dozi, wrote, <laughs> sorry.
2: She wrote this book called, um, half a yellow, um, sun. sun yeah. And you know, for most people, the context is like, oh, okay. But it was crazy because it's, that book talks about the the Nigerian civil war, which put, um, Igbos who, who live in the South and kind of West against the rest of the country. And my parents lived through that. And to read, I mean, because my dad used to tell us stories when we were younger, but to read it and, like, knowing and, like, putting things together. Like, I remember they didn't go to school for a few years. Like, my mom, who grew up as a city girl, all these Ebos had to leave major cities because they were being literally killed and had to go back to their ancestral lands, which is the village. And that's where my mom and dad met because my mom, you know, although they had land in the village, she wasn't a village girl, but my dad was a village guy. So it's almost like... Um, if a civil war were to hit and like, you had to go back down South to like, you know, where your people are from, you know, hmm. to, 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 to not be killed because right now in the big city, if they find out that you're evil, like there were stories of a plane being about to take off. People like evils were trying to leave and them stopping the plane and having people say certain words in Yoruba and other languages to see if you said it with the evil accent and killing you right there. It was oh. crazy times and starving, like, starving like um the the south and to try to make them to submit it was just to read it though and know like asking my parents like that happened and like seeing like my my aunts and my uncles and asking them because you know my 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 dad is in his 70s my mom is in her 60s and so it's not that long ago and just being able to kind of say daddy did you know did, did this happen did you live through this and so it was really now that had me like in tears like i can't believe you lived through that how did you even live you know yeah, that's such a great book, but I think even more so, it, it just touched me just being Ebo um, and reading like you know this history of my people and just just you know how like what a devastating time that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some books have you like on your back, like Lord,
1: you know. <laughs> They're the best. Those are two <laughs> great recommendations. I've had Half a Yellow Sun on my bookshelf for a while, and I haven't read it yet. I've read um, Americana and then the. The We Should All Be Feminists by, I think I butchered her last name. It's Ngozi. N-G-O-Z-I. Jimimanda Adich- Ngozi Adichie. Um, Excellent. Yes.
2: Okay. So for those of you who know, my surgery is in a couple of days. I'm both nervous and relieved. I'm like, I'm so, I'm ready, but I'm so glad they're going to be knocking me out because I was worried. I mean, I guess I figured, but they it's similar to like fibroid um, surgery from what I understand. The one I'm getting is like similar to like a a uh, C-section. So I know during a C-section, they don't knock you out. So I was like, wait, you're going to knock me out, right? Because I don't want to be like awake. And they're like, yes, Tiffany, <laughs> you will not be awake. So I'm like, ah. So I'm curious. Part of me wants to be like, so I want to see what it looks like when you take them out. It took-
1: <laughs> just She want them in it. a jar?
2: <laughs> no, because a friend of mine just posted on Facebook. She actually has two days worth of fibroids. So she has 17. Oh, my God. I 17. didn't realize, you know it's not until like you share that you're going through something that you realize how many people are going through. I, I would, I can honestly say if I've told 10 women that I'm getting fibroid surgery, um, at least I would say four have said, Oh, I have fibroids too. Or I had the surgery or like, it's so just the amount of women that, and have just listened to the podcast. So many of you have reached out to me. Thank you so much.
1: Um, who are like, yeah, me too, girl. Don't Google it. Oh, that was a mistake. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) like a fleshy grapefruit yeah that's basically
2: what it looks like it's like just this fleshy ball and they cannot figure out why they grow and they're really prevalent in women in their like 30s and 40s um and so yeah it's just I mean and and it's pretty common surgery you don't really you know so I'm I'm, you know I can honestly say I'm not nervous just because it's not I'm like my husband had aneurysm brain surgery now that's you know like ah super risky because you know one false move but I feel like This surgery is common enough, but still it's surgery. And when they put you under, there's always a risk of not coming back. And, you know, they were like, um, they're asking all these questions with beforehand, like a week before you have to kind of go through prep where they tell you like, don't eat for a certain time and what not to take and don't wear, you know, don't wear any jewelry when you come in, just like all these different things. And she was like, is there anything that would prevent you from like, you know, um, religious for religious reasons, whatever, for you not to get like a blood transfusion? I'm like, wait, what? Just in case, like, you know, that you're doing surgery and you start bleeding uncontrollably. I'm like, yikes. I was like, give me blood. I'm fine, girl. No, give it to (laughs) me. (laughs) So just stuff like that. So, But I'm also really excited to finally move past this part and just be like, whew, woosah. And um, oh, and good news about the house. I finally can share. We are ready to close. But I decided we're actually going to push to closing because I'm like, well, I don't so two things, the bank has been just like, oh, uh, just a mess, but we finally have the deed and my realtor said, we can close anytime. But I told her, you know, I'm having a surgery and she's like, well, how long would you have to be in the house? I said, for about the month of February for the most part. So she was like, well, how about this? It doesn't make sense to close now. So I was going to close before she said, because you won't be able to get to the house for a month. If you close first thing in March, one it gives them time to, because of the the trouble that they've put us through of getting the house, she uh, um she requested what's called the seller's concession, where the seller concedes something to you. So we asked for money off. They said no, because she they had already given us five thousand dollars off when we put the initial bid in. We got the house for one eighty instead of one eighty five. Mm-hmm. So she said, well, at least will you would deliver the house broom swept because the house is a foreclosure, so there's still a ton of furniture and stuff in there, which we would have to get a dumpster for and a permit, and we have to like pay to have the, the garbage removed, whatever. And they said, yes. so they will pay for someone to, to clean the house and bring it to us empty, which is a, a, you know, that could be a few thousand dollars in cost, depending on how much stuff it is. Cause some towns make you pay for trash by the pound. If you're, if you're taking a dumpster away. So she said, if I were you, I would go in there, rip up any carpet you don't want and just like get all everything that you don't want in the house, let them take it out. So I said, okay. And then she said two uh, February quarter one taxes are due. And I think our taxes are like uh, 600 something bucks a month or whatever. So she was like, let them pay Q1 taxes. That's your concession right there. That way, because you don't own the house yet since, you know, you could decide you're closing later. So I was like, woo, woo, my realtor is the bomb.com. So we're going to let them pay taxes, let them clean it out. And we'll close uh, the first thing in March and to a clean house and we can do whatever we want with it from there.
1: That makes sense.
2: Oh, yeah, I'm excited.
1: Springtime, a new house. I
2: know. And like the weather, like hopefully it'll break. Cause that was like, my concern. like, oh, no one wants to do any like work construction stuff, whatever. And when it's cold. Um, and she told us, she was like, um, she just texted me a little while ago. She said, just so you know, I got the updated, um, comp for your house about like what your house is currently worth in its current state. That it's currently worth about, uh $366,000. She was like, give or take. And I was like, wow. And she was like, but I think with the with whatever additions, whatever you know you fix it up to, she's like, "I really can see your house being worth more than four hundred thousand, and meanwhile, we bought it for one eighty and awesome. we were really fortunate because um during foreclosures, you just never know like when when the house was being foreclosed upon, I don't know what the original people bought it for, but they owed three seventy on the house when they bought it, and the bank really wanted two twenty they wanted to recoup at least two twenty, but we got it for. Like I said, 180. So they're going, that's why they were like, so concession of $5,000. We're already losing money, you know? <laughs> so yeah, so they wanted 220. We got it for 180 and they were old 370, which just goes to show you like, yeah, there's deals out there. It's, I mean, they're not, you know, people will make you think like, oh, there's foreclosures everywhere that are like are great. But it, with a little patience, you can find a deal out there if you're, if you're willing um, when you're looking for a home.
1: Yeah, a lot of patience. You guys started this process back in what, like, September. A year
2: ago. Yeah, no, well, further than that. Like it's been more than a year. Like wow. we started the, this particular house process back in September, but before that we were looking for a house for for almost a year before that. We were trying everything, like maybe a multifamily, regular mortgage. Remember we were talking about that then and but, you know, with
1: Do you think the fact that you
2: paid cash,
1: all cash, that that helped you as well get a better deal than someone who maybe was financing?
2: Oh yeah, for sure, because the the, we got this house on a um it's called like Realty Bid or something like that. That was the website. And so when you go on some of these um auction websites, sometimes the the people selling it will stipulate we'll only sell sometimes they'll say, you know, we'll take all kind of financing and sometimes like if it's like a lots of times banks are like, We're selling it so cheap, we'll only take cash. So that definitely um that definitely helped. But you can find or foreclosure that is um that you can finance that's definitely out there it's just about it it, with foreclosures there's so many things that can go wrong because there has to be a a shift in ownership so if at any time the ball was dropped it's like who actually owns the house and when the bank put it on the website they didn't even own the house yet because they didn't have the deed yes they might have taken the house back but if the deed is still in the previous owner's name they still had ownership so that Mm -hmm. process of switching the deed over can take months, and then they had to switch the deed over now to us, you know, so it was for a lot of realtors won 't do foreclosures because of this this long drawn out pop process, and um I have to say like my for what she 's getting paid, you know because she gets her three percent or whatever commission it's it, for and for the work that she did it's not net net even, but my realtor Amina is smart because my parents are now selling their house and it 's worth i don 't know seven hundred eight hundred thousand dollars, and they're want to buy. Small like a condo. So guess who I said, mommy, daddy, this is who you need to use. So she's not making a whole lot of commission off of me, but now you have a commission off of 700,000 plus whatever three or $400,000 condo they get in exchange. Hmm. Plus they're, you know, their friends who are wanting to down to that are wanting to, um, downgrade. So, you know, it's, she's just really, uh, smart because it's, you learn sometimes in business that you don't make your money with the first thing, but the second thing you do, you know,
1: definitely. I mean, that's the biggest lesson I think I've learned in my career is I mean I can trace the first two jobs I had back to a thank you note. You never know, mm. you never know who you're handing like who you're interacting with now. What kind of power they'll have in your life later. Didn't mean to get deep like, <laughs> on your real estate story, but <laughs> no, I think you're right though. Yeah. Well, I had a I had a women I had a girl power moment this weekend. I went to the women's march, which I was finally I wasn't able to go last year because I was sick as a dog, um, but this year I went and it was awesome. Really? Yeah. I went to the, obviously the one in Manhattan. Um, Yeah, it was, it was, it took place right outside of Central Park. And I went with a couple of girlfriends. Um, I made some signs and just kept it really simple. Yeah, it was just, I don't know. It just, it was really good vibes. And, you know, I was a little bit. Like, I mean, I, I wanted to go and I wanted to feel the crowd and it was whatever. Um, we had to wait for about an hour before we could actually march because it was that crowded. So – and it was actually really well organized. They were letting people go in in spurts instead of just like, you know, mobbing um, uh, Sixth Avenue. But when we, when we finally – because, you know, you go – you start at like 72nd and Central Park. And for those of you who aren't familiar with New York City, once you get to 59th Street – and uh, Central Park, um, you're right in front of the Trump International Hotel. It's oh, this cool. giant building. It's one of Trump's many sized skyscra- skyscrapers in the city, but it has his name on it. And when you get to when you get to that building, people will stop, and they had music and drums, and um, you know people would stop there and, and chant and sing, and um, it, it really like you felt it. You felt people's energy, and you felt like. I don't know. It was weird. I felt like I was really sending the president a message. I don't know. In a weird way. I'm like, he's gonna hear this. <laughs> like, I don't know. It felt like I was doing something. It felt like so much better. Cause you know, I feel like the past year especially, you know, I'm a journalist. I don't like to air my political beliefs on Twitter. Not that I I mean, I'm not a political journalist. So it doesn't really matter. you know, I don't have the same standards as other political journalists, but I really hold back. I mean, I I represent a company, yada yada. So I don't I'm not so public with my feelings about politics on Twitter and other social media. So I felt like I, I you know I hold it in, except for in my social circles, hold it in throughout the year. I also have a lot of family who supports him. So, you know, I it really felt like for me I've been holding this in for the past year and it felt good to to really just be in that moment and say, No, I don't accept this president and here's why and you know, just to be with a couple of my close girlfriends and, and do that, it was it felt good. Not yeah. a bad way to spend a couple hours on a Saturday. And what, the weather was great, wasn't it? weather was perfect. Yeah, it was like, it was in the 50s, I want to say, in the sun, and I made I made a few signs. One of my signs was uh, the Solange, uh, had lyrics from the Solange song, um, We Got a Lot to Be Mad About, which is one of my favorite um, songs mm. from her record, A Seat at the Table. Um, I would have, yeah, I, I, I had a good time. Oh, that sounds honestly, that it looked. I saw the pictures. I was like, look at Mandy, curls
2: are flowing. Yes.
1: (laughs) Well, there's a (laughs) lot of natural hair out there. I wasn't the only one. In my little pocket, it it definitely felt, because, you know, people talk about that diversity of these movements and there's controversy over whether... You know the women's movement, the women's march. Anyway, has been welcoming to diff- to women of color and sexualities and stuff. Um, you know, it, it did feel like. I mean, I I didn't take a, a poll or survey the entire crowd. I was in a very tight little group. Um, I saw some. I definitely saw women of color, but there were. It definitely felt like it was more wh- uh, white women than anything who were out there. Um, mm. I couldn't help but notice that, but I did see a lot of. I did see definitely. I, I mean. Every time I looked at the crowd I could point out people of color, but it certainly wasn't, you know, split down the middle. Um, but people of different ages, I saw kids and grandmas and, you know, young, old. Um, I think it's it's sad that it has to happen, but at the same time, you know, I think it's great to see parents like taking their kids out and showing them how to be involved and um just that you can come together as a group. You don't and it's beautiful that we can even do this in our country at all so I sort of I just felt grateful for that
2: yeah no honestly I love that. I mean as much as you know this current administration has been like oh you guys are like the worst what it has brought out is like I was talking to my um my accountant today and he was like you know it's so crazy he was like I mean he's like I'm it's like a civics lesson he's like I'm I'm more woke I'm like wait whoa whoa he's like my six-year-old was like so dad uh how did he win when when uh, Hillary Clinton had more of the votes, why is this electoral college thing at six? And he was—I went with you to the voting booth, and we voted in school, and the most vo- votes won. And he was just saying how this has really forced him and and people around him to really pay more attention to what's happening politically.
1: Yeah, we can't yeah. we can't unsee this. Like we yeah. can't unlive it. <laughs> oh, you <I> know. <laughs> oh.
2: Yeah. Oh. So speaking of. A- this dang, um, uh, administration. So remember I said before I had a, a budget needs to build that I helped my friend, write. Yeah. And they passed the house, the house, the Senate, and it's sitting on governor Christie's desk and all he has to do is sign it. And all it, literally every single, uh, political, um, Republican and democratic senator said yes. And he didn't sign it. Oh no. We, we have a new governor Phil Murphy. And so right. Yeah, as- he
1: starts like, when does he start?
2: I don't know, now, basically. And so when the governor's on his way out, he had about 160 bills on his desk. And out of 160, he either signed or actively vetoed 150.
1: And the other and 10, he just didn't look
2: he at? Just, he vetoed by, um, they call it veto. It's like saying no by not saying no. You know what I mean? But not saying anything. Mm. It's like, it's a weak way. Cause it's like, I don't want to be the one to veto to say no, no financial literacy for kids. But for whatever reason... He didn't sign, so it's a no. Just because, by default, because you didn't say yes. Ugh, a real punk move. But you know what? That's exactly what he is. So we have to start all over, literally from committee to house to house, senate to senate, and back up to the governor. Ugh, I'm so
1: sorry. You were so excited the last time. I know, and because I, I was it.
2: like, "Who's gonna say no? Financial education for kids? I mean, how is this a bad thing?" So, oh, but you know you what? Be It'll be. It won't be part of his legacy. It'll be part of hopefully Governor Phil Murphy's legacy, and it'll, it'll it will go hopefully faster because we've already have like all these people who are kind of on
1: board, and so it is what it is. Well, wow. fight the good fight. Yeah. So you're gonna try again next season or next?
2: No, she said honestly. She's like, let's see if she's like, I want to see if we could push this through in like six months. This is um, okay. uh, Assemblywoman. Um, Angela V. McKnight, she said, because now that we have everyone on board, it shouldn't it's, it shouldn't be hard to, because it was like explaining to people what it meant and tweaking it to make sure both sides felt comfortable. But now it's like, hey guys, he didn't sign it. We're just, let's just, everybody vote just like they did last time. Yes, 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 yes. So I'm hoping that, so she doesn't have to do quite as much politicking in between each vote. So I'm hoping that it'll go much faster because this, this last round took two years to get here.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, so I mean, but I feel confident in it because it's a it's a good bill. Like it's not like we're saying, hey, should we give Ritalin to kids? It's should we teach them financial education? I mean, like, why is that bad?
1: People, you know what? Uh, people will find a way. Um, you know, especially in schools, it's so touchy. There's so much. There's so much controversy in schools right now, and I feel like, and I and I've I've written about financial literacy in schools, and I know that the the standard conservative response to these types of programs is it's just giving more, it's giving teachers in schools more stuff to do. It's government, it's government influencing schools and education. And you know, that conservatives are all against that. And Chris Christie being a conservative, it seemed in line with his party stance. I wonder if the next governor, since he's Democrat, right? Yeah, he's
2: Democrat. And honestly, that was when, when we first met, we met with some sort of education committee and it was full of um, teachers and educators and women who Angela asked me to come to her office to speak with them. And they said the same thing. And I can honestly say I sat with them and I said, I agree that there shouldn't be a law in place that makes teachers have more. I was like, I was a teacher for 10 years, so I know what those changes feel like in the classroom where you're like, really, another thing? And so when we really worked out the bill, it was so that it wouldn't add additional work. It wasn't like, stop, it's financial literacy time that instead it would be infused into what you're already doing. So if if today is counting day, then we might say, hey, here's some ways to infuse counting money into today's lesson. You see what I mean? So yeah. I've really worked hard to make sure because I, I totally get it because that's true. It's too much to ask a teacher to put aside another two or three or five minutes for something else because I've been there. And so that's why honestly the bill started to really pick up uh, traction because people were like, okay, good. Like, because you're right. The conservative side, that was a little bit of the pushback, but once they, they, we tweaked it and edited it, everybody was like, love it. I love it. You know? And so that's why I'm just like this guy, but
0: whatever. Hey, BA fam. This episode is sponsored by State Farm.
1: On that note, are you ready to break or boost? I'm ready. I'm gonna break. Ooh, are you ready okay. for a, a? I haven't break, break broken in a while. <laughs> I think I'm gonna I'm gonna boost. I'm gonna boost. Okay, um, let me go first, and we can end on a high note. Okay. <laughs> so I want to take a break from. If I if I could take any more, if I had any more breaks to give, I would give my last break to Bank of America. Ugh. Um, everyone's least favorite bank. My least favorite bank. I'll just put it that way. Um, I broke up with them like five, six years ago, finally, and they just announced today that they are getting rid of um, low-fee checking accounts for – oh, sorry, low-balance free checking accounts. So if you're the kind of person who carries a low balance, you live paycheck to paycheck, which is a lot of people in the US, there just aren't that many great – there aren't a lot of great big bank checking accounts that actually don't charge fees, Um, and Bank of America was like – Sticking its tongue out to those people and just took away um, its low fee checking account if you have a low balance. So, if you have a Bank of America account and you're like what I described, you um, your balance is close to zero. Sometimes you maybe have had a few overdraft charges the last year. It is time to get out. Get out. Get out of that. Um, they don't have free checking anymore, if you could even call it that, because they still charge things like overdraft fees and whatnot. Um, there's just so many better options out there. So if you have Bank of America or any other sort of big, big brand bank, I guarantee you can find better services for better rates, better fees um, at, at other banks. In fact, I can, I'm going to put in the show notes because I want you guys to just see what's out there. Um, Magnify Money has a great page where you can review checking accounts and you put your zip code in and then you put in... Um, how often you may overdraft during the year, so that you can get a, a list of banks that are probably best for you in the way you use your um, checking account.
2: No, that's awesome, but yeah, Bank of America. So I saw a lot of Dreamcatchers posting about it. I'm like, they've been trash, so.
1: right? It's just one. <laughs> it's just one other reminder why. Yes, it's like you know. your cheating boyfriend
2: who. Oh, so you you got her pregnant? Okay, so you know what? I can't do this. I can't do this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So mine is a boost, super simple light. So um, I was at the mall with um, with Superman and um, I was like, our comforter is shameful. I mean, honestly, we, this comforter, like a, a dog wouldn't sleep on this comforter. It's just raggedy. You know, you wash it too many times and the comforter is just looking sad and raggedy. Mm-hmm. So um, he was like, I'm going to, we were eating at um, Johnny Rockets. I got a veggie burger for those of you who care. Mm. And <laughs> they have veggie burgers. Okay. They do. Eh, eh, I could have done without it. But either way, we were at the mall at, eating at Johnny Rockets. And he was like, you know what? There's a Marshall's. I'll go buy a comforter while we wait for our food. So, you know, I was nervous because I said, oh, boy. By himself? Super- I know. Superman is not known for his style.
1: <laughs> I love him dearly. I was like. That's a lot of oh, trust. <laughs> yes.
2: I was like,
1: okay. <laughs> it took us months to pick a comforter. Like, I'm not kidding.
2: And I was so nervous. So but many I arguments. Didn't- I didn't want to leave the table like with the food because I was like, I don't want them to think, oh, they ordered and they ran, you know. Yeah. And so I said, okay, he came back first of all with a super cute comforter. It's like a gray and navy stripe, and actually I love it. And on the other side, it's like sherling material, like um, like a uh, sheep sw- When I say this thing, I can't even get out of bed, Mandy. I cannot get out of bed. Mm. It is the best comforter. I honestly, I. I'm rubbing it right now. And I'm like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> I'm going to see you in a minute. Like, it is so, it's transformed how we sleep. Because we're always like, oh, we get up, we're like, uh, no, this thing, I'm going to see if I can find who makes it. Um, who makes this daggone comforter? Izod. Hoo, child? This thing, Izod, you can. I will dedicate my first, I'm going to call my firstborn born Izod. Because okay, it's, <laughs> but it's honestly, it's just an amazing comfort. It is so comfortable, and because it's it's winter, well, you know, it's weird winter, but it's weird winter in Jersey where it gets really cold at night sometimes, and this thing is like sleeping literally in a cloud, and so that's my boost. These Izod. Shirling, half Shirling, half whatever's on the the other side is actually really cute, but, um, the other side, the side that you put on your body Ooh. hey <laughs> you want a sponsor
1: <laughs> It is time for questions, yes, um, again, you guys can go to Briananmissionpocast dot com. Nope, okay um oh <laughs> dot com sorry i'm late <laughs> it's okay um and send us a question just click the ask us anything tab or you can email us directly brown ambition podcast at gmail.com to be featured on the show uh we got a lot of good questions after last week so i'm going to try to get to a couple today um the first one is a question about homeownership and a down payment on your mortgage from listener named kim Kim says, hi guys, I love you guys. Here's a home ownership question for you. What is the benefit to putting 20% down on a mortgage? Do you really save on your mortgage payments? Can you put down less and not have to enroll in a private mortgage insurance, not to enroll in private mortgage insurance for a new home? That is her question. Excellent question.
2: It is an excellent question. And the benefit is just as you said, the benefit is, well, there's a couple of benefits. One You can not pay PMI, private mortgage insurance, which is that insurance that you pay when you don't have enough equity in the home when you first buy it. So that makes you a risk. So basically what the bank is doing is they're hedging against you. They're like, "Mm, she don't have that much skin in the game So because you put down 3% or whatever. So I'm going to charge you an extra fee every month just in case you default on this loan. At least I got a little extra money up front from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also too, what I found though, like, I mean, there are ways to get around PMI and not put down the full 20%, but what I found too is putting down 20% also makes you a stronger buyer. So take yourself out of the, 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 the buyer's position, put yourself in the seller's position and two people want my house. One person says, I've got 3% to put down and all this financing. And one person says, I've got 20% to put down in their financing which one are you going to go with, even though it's the same amount of money that they're both going to give you? I'm going with a stronger buyer because what it tells me is that if you've got 20% to put down, you're probably going to have an easier time getting financing. And I'm not going to, you know, it's going to be easier to get to closing with you versus someone who can't put down as much because that maybe singles to me, signals to me that maybe this is not as strong a buyer as, um, as, as I would like. And so that, that's another reason why, you know, it doesn't, you don't have to put 20% down, but it's another benefit to putting 20% down.
1: Absolutely. In fact, we just did a study on this we looked at we decided so right now it's competitive as if you're if you're looking for a home, it's competitive out there, depending on where you're looking. Inventory is low, meaning there's not a lot of new houses being built and there's more people who want houses, so supply and demand. So the prices of home are going up. So it's just it's really expensive to buy homes right now, but also the buyers are what make it competitive. Like if you're up against someone who not only comes with a 20% down payment but has a higher credit score and comes pre-approved for a mortgage – They're going to knock you out of the race if you haven't Mm -hmm. come with those similar characteristics. So we actually analyzed like over a million home purchase um, uh, mortgage loan requests through um, LendingTree.com recently. Uh, We looked at 100 different cities and found the most competitive market. So if you're shopping in a place like um, Denver, Colorado, the third most competitive market, on average, people are putting down 16%. Over like nearly two-thirds have been pre- pre-approved for a mortgage. Um, San Francisco, number one, the average there is 18 and 19% for a down payment. Um, I think it's this is really helpful. I'm, I'll post a link to this in the show. So if you want to look and see where your city falls, like maybe you can get a sense of who you're up against when you're out there shopping for a home. Um, not only will it make you more competitive, but like Kim, you mentioned and like Tiffany said, you're going to avoid paying for uh, mortgage insurance. That being said, some people may choose to um, maybe put down a lower down payment. There are loan options if you have a low down payment, and even some loan options that require no down payment. Um, we did a guide on this recently, so I just pulled it up. Um, so SoFi, SoFi offers a mortgage that has no mortgage insurance requirement, and you only have to put down 10%. Okay. And that SoFi is a new uh, a new player in the lender space. I like SoFi a lot. I think they're a great lender. So um, write that down if you're looking for a low down payment mortgage and you don't want to have to deal with mortgage insurance. The thing with SoFi is the reason they're able to do that is because they have higher credit requirements. So okay. um, you will need a credit score of about 700 or higher likely to qualify for SoFi. Um, then there's, na- there's like federal programs. There's an FHA loan. Mm-hmm. Um, if you put down, you can put down as little as 3.5%, yep. but you will have to pay um, mortgage, a mortgage insurance premium, I think it's called. Same thing as yep. private mortgage insurance. Um, you can put down three three to 3.5% to 10%, um, depending on your FICO score. Then there's um, a, USAD, a USDA loan. So this is for people who are buying homes in rural areas. And you'd be surprised what the Department of Agriculture considers rural. It doesn't doesn't mean out in the boonies necessarily. So you can go to usda.gov and put in your zip code for where you're thinking about buying and they'll tell you if that's considered a rural um, environment. And that's no down payment required. Um, There's also a home ready program, which is offered by Fannie Mae. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a 3% down payment. Um, There is a a mortgage insurance requirement. And the last one I was going to mention was VA loans. So if you're a veteran... Um, there's no down payment required on a, for a VA loan and there's no mortgage insurance either. Um,
2: and you, you want to make sure when when it comes to PMI, because I believe, don't quote me on it, but FHA that, that there's no, so if you get like a regular loan and you put down less than 20%, right? And then once you get to about 20, 22%, you can then have the PMI dropped. There are some loan products that there is no dropping the PMI, even once you get to over 20% equity in the home.
1: Yeah, what a lot of people do with FHA loans specifically for that reason is they'll refinance it into a conventional loan. So when you get to a certain point, you can say, okay, I'm ready. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refinance out of my FHA loan to a conventional loan with another lender once you've got up to a certain amount of equity to where you yeah. qualify for a refinance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's one thing you can do if you if you if you put down a low down payment too and you're paying mortgage insurance, once you get to that equity sweet spot where you have twenty equi- percent equity, um, you can try you can try to refinance out of that loan to yeah. to get rid of that um PMI requirement.
2: And no too that there are banks that offer like right now, um, M and T, like milk and tomatoes. I don't know. M and T. I didn't know what else to say, I'm like milk and tacos <laughs> um so m and t bank is a bank that we were actually going to use um um Superman and I before we decided to pay cash because m and t was offering uh, i want to say six uh, percent um or up to um like eighteen or nineteen thousand dollars toward um closing costs um because m n t was found doing some like you know disreputable things to folks that are brown so latina latino and um and black folks and so um, if you are um a person of color and you're wanting to live in a neighborhood which is fifty percent or more people of color, then MNT um if you get your mortgage through them, um they and that's literally it. that you don't there's no other income requirement or whatever. Because we were looking at a bunch of houses and we just gave them the zip code and they say, Yep, that fits the criteria. And, um, and we would, we would get up to, I think it was like 18 something, 18,000 something. So there are, you might be able to use that to help you with that. So there are programs like that and they don't widely, um, talk about that. Like if you do a Google search, it took me forever to find it. And, um, I just called and they were like, yeah, we do have that program. Mm.
1: Yeah. Just doing a, a search for your city and then down payment assistant programs or first time home buyer programs. You never know what may be offered in your local community by your local banks, um, that are out there.
2: Exactly. So we have t- one, one quick
1: question? Yeah. Let's do a quick question. This is from listener Asia. Asia has a credit report question. She says, I just requested my credit report from all three bureaus. After looking it over, I've noticed there is 13 inquiries, which not, none of which, not sure were considered hard or not, but 13 inquiries that have posted in the past year, and I only recognize two out of the 13 inquiries. It's clear to me that some sort of fraud has taken place. I have a suspicion who it might be. My question mm. is, what can I do to have these inquiries removed, have a fraud alert placed on my credit reporter accounts, and rep- uh, prevent this from happening in the future?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Thanks in advance, Asia. Been there, yes. girl. Happened to me. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, so I'm- Question one, have the inquiries removed?
2: Yes. She can have inc- inquiries removed, but I will one make sure that sometimes you'll have an inquiry and it's a soft inquiry, you know, so you want to make sure that the 13 are indeed like inquiries where somebody gave your information um, in order to get, you know, credit or whatever in order to incur more debt, because it could just be like if someone sends you like a soft solicitation, like, hey, you've been pre-approved for a credit card. That's also an inquiry, but it's a soft inquiry. and doesn't affect you. So I would just say first do that.
1: And if you if they really are a hard inquiry and someone's actually opened an account, she doesn't mention if like they're actually tied to an account that's been opened, um, you can dispute those through – you have to do it through each of the three credit bureaus, but each bureau will have a dispute form where you can say, hey, I don't recognize this inquiry or I don't recognize this account. It's fraudulent. And then they'll start the investigation. I think they have like 45 days by law to get back to you, 30 mm-hmm. or 45 days. Um. Number two, she, I think number two and number three may be the same thing, but she wants to know about adding a fraud alert on her credit report. Um, I, I think that I'm pretty sure each of the three bureaus has some sort of fraud alert system that you can sign up for. Um, if you've been a victim of one of these data breaches, like for example, the Equifax data breach, they, offer, they actually offered some free credit monitoring services. Um, so you can actually get it for free that way. Or you could do what I did, do what I did, which is to put a credit freeze on my accounts, on my on all three bureaus, and that just means that nobody's allowed to open a credit card or open an account. You know, I realized I couldn't even open a CD because I had a credit freeze. I had to thaw my report before I could open up a CD account recently, um, which you know it was fine, but it just prevents that. It prevents anybody but you from opening up an account.
2: And so, like I said, you know, I have um, uh, LifeLock because I was having so much trouble with um, people like, well, not me, but it's, um, Superman was just, I don't know, people were stealing his identity left and right. Like somebody bought a car, just all of this stuff. So finally he got LifeLock and then um, he's like, you really should get it too. And I paid like, what, 10 bucks a month. And I get, like, a notification. Like, if I try to open up a bank account even myself, I get a notification like, hey, Tiffany, someone's at a bank trying to open up a bank account. Is that you? They'll text me and they'll email me and I have to say yes or no. So it might just be worth worth it, you know, to look into that as well.
1: Yeah. I, so those types of services are identity like, mm-hmm. identity monitoring. Yeah. Not even monitoring
2: because the monitoring stuff is usually free. It's literally protection. So it stops people. So, like... For example, like uh, Credit Sesame might have identity monitoring, which means, you know, they'll show you, hey, these things are happening, but they won't stop people from opening up accounts. So something like a LifeLock, well, if someone tries to open an account, even if, if it is you, there's another firewall that pops up where you yourself, they'll call you, they'll text you, they'll email you to have clear verification like, yes, that's me, continue.
1: quick win do you have a win quick 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 I cannot not give a win to the cast of Get Out and the director of Get Out Jordan Peele who was nominated for an Oscar today Awesome! which is like what a psychological thriller about race nominated for an Oscar for best picture and best director like that is amazing and so was the actor Daniel Kalua um who who started that movie was nominated uh as best actor alongside Denzel. A lot of a lot of like brown brown girl, brown guy magic at the Oscars mm, this yeah. year. They're listening. And, it's happening.
2: And so mine is just uh, just a quick um win for Miss Mary J Blige cuz she she got nominated for her role in Mudbound, which is I guess is a Netflix um
1: Yes. It's
2: also um, a book. I read the yeah. book. It's really good. You know, cuz Mary Mary you know, she's had a quite a rough year with with, you know, can do and all can't, can't don't and, you know, all that he's put her through. And I'm like, Mary right now is winning on winning. She got her star, her walk of fame, yeah. her, you know, on her birthday. So I hope he's over there getting his absolute worst life as he watches his wife, his ex-wife blow up. He tried to tear my my girl Mary down. And so just a little extra grease for your elbow. Mary, that's what Nigerians say when they were like, go ahead, girl, uh, more grease to your elbow. And um, yeah, just it's it's dope to see all of this um, brownness shining during w- award season. And, and what was his Sterling K. Brown? You know, this is us. Like, didn't he get the SAG award? Continues making history
1: as the first African-American actor yes. to win all these awards. Yeah, he
2: cried and I was like, yes. So yeah, so that's wins, good on good. And hopefully we have a little surprise for you coming up. Right. We're, you know, we're going to tease at it, but um, hopefully we'll have like a really dope interview. You know, we don't do interviews very often, but I think this person's going to be amazing. Um, if I'm able to be here, I will. If not, you already know Mandy got y'all. Um, I will and, you um, Yes. And, you know, I will be listening from my bed as I order Superman around because so I won't be able to get up for two for a few days. Like, give me this. Give me that. Yeah, I have a bell. Ooh, I should get a bell. <laughs> I'll probably be divorced within a week with the bell <laughs> ding, 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 ding.
1: <laughs> or just do what I do and text.
2: <laughs> Hello, sir.
1: I'm 10 uh, feet you. away. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, well, uh. everything is going to go well, and I wish you a speedy recovery. And I can't wait to hear from you and hear that everything went perfectly, and you're well on your way to getting them twins.
2: The twins, honey. The twins, you just <laughs>
1: wait. Them twins are coming. <laughs> <laughs>